You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. Welcome to the Dr. Tina Show. I'm your host, Dr. Tina Moore. I'm a naturopathic and chiropractic physician, and I'm here to tell you the truth as I know it. With censorship and thought police taking over the platforms and airwaves, my goal is to bring you real talk about all things health, strength, and resiliency. Get ready to have your paradigm rocked. I don't hold back, and I tell it how I see it. This is Human Wellness 2.0 Uncensored. In today's episode, we're bringing back the functional pharmacist, Dr. John Kim, and we're going to be discussing the number one most prescribed drug in America, statins. Statin drugs are most commonly used for lowering cholesterol based on the flawed hypothesis that elevated cholesterol is what causes heart disease. We talk about how this drug leads to a myriad of more sinister health conditions down the line, as well as common nutrient deficiencies, which can be deadly. We also discuss its recent use as a possible COVID therapeutic. As always, if you have any questions for the show, please email us at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this show, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. I'm glad you're here. Let's jump in. Dr. John Kim, you're back on the Dr. Tina Show. I'm so happy to have you here again. Doc, thank you so much for your invitation again. It's always an honor to be on your show. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about a very common drug in our series of very common drugs that Americans are prescribed. (laughs) Today's drug is going to be statins, statin drugs. And a very interesting study just came out about this virus and statins. So we're going to dive into that as well. And I'm going to let you take it from here. Yeah, it's a very interesting point that we're having right now because there's so many drugs that are being tested for treatment of COVID. And recent study just coming out, it, one of the really big thing about this particular study we're going to be talking about is that it actually took the most amount of patient population to look at how much of a reduction in mortality as well as the severity of COVID by utilizing statin drugs. So statin, if people in in your audience is not aware, statin is a common uh, prescribed drug to lower cholesterol and as as well as it's shown shown to actually decrease mortality rate, patients dealing with cardiovascular issues, atherosclerotic plaque uh, is commonly prescribed. But there are consequences of utilizing statin drugs, which we'll, we'll end up having to talk about later on. Um, most likely it will be drug-induced nutrition depletion, where certain medication can actually deplete nutrients out of the body, which is very vital to, one, support your immune system, everyday function, as well as it can actually cause a severity of COVID. So, you know, it's kind of confusing where we talk about statin drugs that is shown to reduce the severity of COVID but then how a drug that could be utilized such could end up having to deplete nutrients, which could also cause a severity. So that's a confusing part, which we're going to dive in and then really look at what this particular study looked at, what it didn't look at, as well as what could potentially be a therapeutic value we could end up having to add in, and as well as what can we use naturally to maybe not use statin drugs and something else. Awesome. So let's start with what statins are. I understand them to be probably the most, the number one prescribed drug in the U.S. And they are, like you said, to lower cholesterol. So a famous one that I know that many patients are on is Lipitor. Mm-hmm. 
And, and they've these drugs have been around for some decades, um, and they have a whole host of side effects, and more seem to be coming out every year. So I'll let you run with that. If you could t- share the mechanism of action, et cetera. Yeah, so statin drugs um, is a class of drug, and it was first actually uh, found within nature, um, within a, a thing called red yeast rice. And that particular is basically a fungi, that's what it comes out to. And that particular enzyme end up having to produce uh, something that's actually very close to what's prescribed these days called Mavacor or Lovastatin. That was the first statin drug that came out to help to treat and lowering cholesterol and actually worked phenomenally. And then following that, there are several uh, drugs came through. The second drug actually came out was something called Pravastatin, followed by um, atorvastatin, and so on. And right now, I think there's about eight different statin drugs in the market in terms of pro- providing that is able to lower LDL, which is a bad cholesterol, if people want to know, and as well as certain cases, that should end up having to increase HDL as well, which is also a good cholesterol. The statin drugs, what it does is actually has a unique mechanism of action to stop a rate-limiting step called HNG. HNG coenzyme reductase. So if you look at the overall cholesterol cascade, and I wish I actually had a chart in front of you to show our audience what that what I mean, in order to make cholesterol, there's a several steps that we have to go through. So the first step is basically acetyl-CoA, which is another enzyme in the body, which turns into something called HMZ coenzyme, but it actually resulted in re- reducing, so it goes a reductase reaction. So if I'm confusing everybody right now, there's several steps you have to go through to do so. And what uh, statin drugs do is basically stop that process and at the end stops the production of cholesterol, which is basically a building block of hormones and you know protein synthesis and everything else in the body. So that that could cause a lot of problem, but mainly is a lot of problems, <laughs> right? Mainly is supposed to stop the basic the production of cholesterol. That's where it comes out to, and which we think that, and this is something that we're finding more and more within the integrated cardiology world that cholesterol is not the main culprit of causing cardiovascular issues, right? It's more sugar related and oxidative stress, and also leaky gut could be a main reason, but. Right now, what we have so far within the pharmaceutical world is that we have to stop the production of cholesterol to stop uh, cardiovascular issues from um, causing more issues such as myocardial infarction, which is basically heart attack. Yes. So let's back up a second. Cholesterol is literally what your entire brain is made out of. Your brain is a big blob of cholesterol, essentially. Um, Your cell membranes, your hormones, your sex hormones, as you said, these are all dependent on cholesterol synthesis. And the cholesterol that we ingest actually makes up a very small percentage of the cholesterol that we end up seeing on serum blood draws and lab values. So when people see high lab values of cholesterol, they immediately get blamed on their dietary intake of fat and cholesterol. But in reality, your cholesterol can go up for several reasons, right? Like low thyroid, low hormone production in general. I've always always, something I've always explained to my patients was as your cholesterol rises, it's in response to you having low hormone status. The less hormones you're making as you age, the higher your cholesterol will be. Uh, Conversely, low cholesterol has been implicated in a whole host of issues, including much higher death rates from a variety of causes, including accidents, 
cancer, all kinds of problems. So we we don't want too low of cholesterol and statins. Oddly, uh, I've seen patients with really low cholesterol levels that are statin induced. And I tell the patient, oh my goodness, this is like the, you know, emergency level. You're too low for, and this is what could come of this. And they say, well, that's weird. My doctor said it was just beautiful and perfect because they've been medicated into that low, low, low level. So, and I've seen statins predominantly in my practice to cause most notably musculoskeletal and joint pain, a very difficult to reverse type of diabetes that I can't seem to get, even when the patient discontinues the statin, I can't seem to turn that ship around very readily. And then most notably dementia and loss of memory. So what are we, like, can you extrapolate on that? So statin, there's a term called statin toxicity that we have to always have to discuss. But within the pharmaceutical world, we never do that because we never look at the overall consequences of taking a particular drug. So one thing that we have to talk about is that statins actually can cause something called dysbiosis. So it actually disrupts the overall microbiome in your, in your gut. That also resulted in the fact that it can cause uh, uh, bile acid to be decreased. So there's another consequence in doing that as, as well. And at the same time, when you're talking about what we call drug-induced nutritional depletion, where drugs can actually result in lowering of certain nutrients that you really, really need, it actually ends up having to decrease something called coenzyme A, basically CoQ10, uh, the body. So body's own mechanism of making coenzyme uh, Q10, which is basically an antioxidant, is made through the cholesterol cascade. But if you block the cholesterol cascade, you actually end up having to block the actual coenzyme uh, from producing. And one thing that actually can cause is it actually can cause mitochondrial damage, mm. right? That also results in the fact that it can actually cause apoptosis, right? So several other mechanisms that having to go through resulted in the fact that it also affects the pancreas, uh, and that's another reason in terms of the long-term consequence of taking statin drug is that you are at a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Yeah, and it's a real sticky one that I can't, I've had a very difficult time in patients, no matter what we did lifestyle-wise, we could not turn that ship around readily. No, not at all. And, and also, it also affects athletes from performing correctly. So overall, athletic performance ends up having to decrease uh, because your overall protein uh, metabolism is completely shot, so recovery process is short, um, other things. So we could talk about this for two hours if we want to, but the thing is, bottom line is that statin is not a perfect drug as what is being actually portrayed to be, and there are long-term consequences of patients taking these things. Yes, and going back to that CoQ10 probably one of the most important nutrients for the heart. So we're talking a medication that people are put on for life, yep. makes the pharmaceutical companies a whole lot of money, and we're depleting them of CoQ10, which is a vital nutrient for heart health. You see the irony. <laughs> Not you, but the audience hopefully does. <laughs> you, you know all this. The other thing that gets me about it is the fact that I have seen many young people put on it without any discussion of lifestyle management or why their cholesterol might be high, which again, most notably in young people, I've seen that to be due to low thyroid function. Yep. 
and all the lipids elevate and for a time, and then you correct the thyroid dysfunction and boom, everything comes down into normal ranges. It's a, to me, it's like a flag, right? When I see lipids go up on labs, I'm like, oh, there's a flag here. Something else is going on. It's not, it's not this myopic view that we do in medicine of like, let's focus on this one thing. The other part is that, like you said, the musculoskeletal component. So you imagine that all these elderly folks are put on it. And the stats that I've read are pretty scary. I think it's, I, I don't quote me because I haven't, I should have looked this up last night before we got on here. You have to have a whole lot of statin prescriptions to actually combat one heart attack. And this drug only has that impact in males. And I, I believe has not been shown to have any benefit for the most part in females, mostly, most notably males who've already had a heart attack. Is that correct? Mostly a heart attack. Yes, that's correct. And as well as women, for instance, you gotta, we have to look at the overall uh, other hormones such as estrogen and progesterone, especially estrogen actually has a cardiovascular protective effect, right? So if you put these patients on a statin drugs for long term, you end up having to negatively cause other issues, especially inflammation, to cause that. And as well as for men, especially when you talk about testosterone, testosterone actually has a cardioprotective effect as well. So you're trying to fix one thing, but then creating the other. And what we see is that, especially within my practice, we see a cyclic effect of patients of having to go through, yes, you're going to be put on a statin drug, but then the issue that you see is that they have a metabolic inflammation that's increasing resulted in uh, uncontrolled blood, uh, glucose. That also resulted in the fact that it can also deplete some of the nutrients that you need to produce testosterone, especially vitamin D, magnesium, zinc is a big thing that could be depleted from that. So you're causing one issue to the other. And what I tell patients is that, and I, I, you kind of laughed about this too, statin is basically a, a, the perfect gateway drug to utilizing other um, pharmaceutical drugs right? Yeah. Such as you know, metformin on top of other drugs such as ACE inhibitors, beta blockers, and et cetera. So it is not the perfect drug. It is not the perfect solution either. And what we really have to focus on is what is the root cause of causing it? Now, you did mention about thyroid. I'd like to also mention about gut health, right? The overall uh, metabolic inflammation actually starts from the gut function itself. And actually, we really have to talk about uh, LPS, like lipoprotein saccharides, that can also cause a leaky gut. Leaky gut resulted in microinflammation that also caused mitochondrial damage, et cetera, et cetera, also causing um, uh, sarcopenia, right? And muscle loss as well. So again, what are we trying to treat at this point is, is beyond me. And, you know, I, I, as a pharmacist, we just take the data as it is from the pharmaceutical company, and we think that we're doing all the things necessary. But at the end, we're causing more issue by not addressing lifestyle changes and helping the patients in a better direction rather than taking pharmaceuticals. This episode of The Dr. Tina Show is brought to you by my personal line of products that you can find inside my online store. My number one selling product is Easily Relax Tonic. What is Relax Tonic? It is an innovative powder drink mix that reminds me a whole lot of cherry Kool-Aid, much as I drank as a kid. Only this Kool-Aid won't brainwash you and might actually help you make better decisions. 
It contains a blend of ingredients that promotes a relaxed mood by supporting the body's natural neurotransmitter balance and neuronal stabilization, contains the inhibitory neurotransmitter GABA, supports hormonal balance, healthy blood pressure levels already within normal range, and a healthy glucose metabolism. Relax Tonic aims to promote a calm, relaxed, well-balanced, emotional, and physiologic state. While I can't make any specific health claims, tell you how to dose it, or make individual health recommendations, I can tell you how they work. As always, check with your provider before beginning any supplement regimen. Listeners of the Dr. Tina Show can enjoy 10% off Relax Tonic by using the code RELAX10 over inside my store at store.drtina.com. Again, head to store.drtina.com and use code RELAX10 for 10% off. Back to that musculoskeletal piece I, I detoured from. The number one concern I have as people age is their muscle mass and their sarcopenia and their ability to be healthfully mobile and having good quality contractile muscle, not just muscle, but that muscle as folks age starts to get fatty infiltrate and it does not respond the way that it should or that it used to. And so hip fractures are very common from falls and you get this deep seated joint pain with statin use that I've seen in so many patients and muscle pain that literally goes away. I mean, we're talking like crippling, debilitating pain that literally goes away when you discontinue the drug, which by the way, is my favorite drug to take patients off of. (laughs) It brings me always great joy to get them off of a statin because guess what happens? Nothing bad happens. Their cholesterol never skyrockets back up because we're doing all the lifestyle stuff. So it's literally like the most worthless drug I've ever seen. And when you add musculoskeletal issues on top of an already aging body. What a nightmare, right? Like what a way to induce more hip fractures and more problems. And then on top of that, you end up with this sort of low-grade dementia where their brains aren't working great because you're taking all the cholesterol away from their poor brain, which it needs to function. So you've got someone who's like mildly demented. I've seen folks go from high-ranking, high-executive functioning jobs to having to retire due to so-called dementia when it wasn't actually dementia, it was statin use. Yeah. And we discontinue the statin and their cognitive function comes back with a vengeance. Definitely. And then there's also different forms of statins, right? There's a water-soluble statins as well as a lipid uh, lipophilic um, statins. And the lipophilic ones are, you know, a torvastatin, which is Lipitor, which is very, very commonly prescribed these days, uh, lovastatin as well. Those are highly linked to actually causing more uh, dementia issues compared to the water-soluble ones like Crestor or Pravacol um, or Pravastatin. And so there's a difference in terms of what we choose, right? So again, are these being addressed to patients? I mean, I'm always about informed consent. As a pharmacist or even a, a doctor prescribing these things, we never address these matter in a rightful manner. And so again, what are we trying to treat? And are we causing more issue within our patient population? And if it's so, in terms of public health period-wise, I mean, these things should be addressed even more rather than just throwing pills at the person. I agree. I have seen some gnarly cases of liver dysfunction with Crestor that the patient did not disclose to me that he was on it. And I'm running 
I'm running his labs and I'm running through all the probable causes of his liver, dis, you know, enzyme, elevated enzymes. And I mean, they were off the charts. And I was like, what are you doing, dude? Are you, are you like a secret alcoholic? Are you sucking down soda? Like, what am I missing here? And finally he goes, oh, well, I've been, he's been on it for so long that it had slipped his mind to tell me. So he's <laughs> like, oh, I got, you know, and this was a, actually another physician who is fair, very well bought into the allopathic model and was coming to me for consult. And he finally admits like, oh yeah, my buddy put me on that years ago and I just stay on it because it allows him, he thought it allowed him to have his kind of crummy lifestyle because it kept his cholesterol low while never looking at any of these liver enzymes, right? So it's just, it's like stuff that if you're not thinking about it to look for it, it'll never get caught because this drug, and we should back up and say back in the 80s, there was a huge push by the pharmaceutical industry to villainize cholesterol so that these drugs could get brought to market and sell a lot. That's a whole other story, but yeah. there are books written about it. So it's, you know... There's there's some putting on my tinfoil hat for a second. There's a lot of conspiracy here as to why so many people are prescribed it and why they never get off of it. And obviously, people can do the math. But let's talk about some of those nutrient deficiencies again. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, statin drugs actually can cause a lot of issues, such as dysbiosis that we mentioned about before. That actually disrupts the overall microbiome in your uh, system, and you need gut bacteria to deal with uh, nutrients and as well as uh, metabolizing certain nutrients as well. So when you lead into that, there's a lot of issues that this biosis can cause inflammation, additional issues that, that goes on. Second thing actually can occur is that it could also deplete vitamin K2. Now, we know that vitamin K1, uh, which is coming from leafy green vegetables, but K2 is a special, special uh, vitamin that actually helps to uh, utilize calcium properly in the body, right? Calcification-wise. So vitamin K2, I tell them as like a, almost like a uh, calcium buster, right? That's really needed. And we see that patients who actually have low vitamin K2 level has a worsening of COVID outcome, right? So again, drugs causing more issues, having worse outcome for patients with the particular pandemic that we actually have at this point in time. And the perfect way to get vitamin K2, if audience wants to know, is getting from grass-fed beef, as well as certain plants, uh, fermented plants, especially uh, natto, right? Uh, or um, any fermented uh, soybean, that, that's where the vitamin K2, or you could have supplemented as well. So it's a perfect combination to take vitamin D along with K2. So it's where you're able to um, break down the calcium in the body, and as well as to reabsorb it utilizing vitamin D. So there are studies available to see that there are ways to reverse atherosclerotic plaque utilizing vitamin D and vitamin K2. Third thing that actually can disrupt in the entire body is um, CoQ10. We talked about before, CoQ10 is really needed for mitochondrial function, and having poor mitochondrial function can actually lead into that severe muscle ache that uh, Dr. Tina just mentioned before, it's called rhabdomyolysis, and as well as can cause uh, additional issue dealing with liver enzyme being elevated. So your liver is getting through a, a you know, basically a damage and drugs that she just mentioned before, like Crestor or Rosuvastatin has been, actually, I think there's a black box warning that it can cause liver dysfunction. So again, what are we, what are we treating? <laughs> I think it's actually causing more issues and it seems like, if you want to call it a conspiracy theory, 
that pharmaceutical companies causing one issue to make additional money down the line. No, they would never do that. That's <laughs> no. not a thing. <laughs> no, no. That's not happening no. right now by any means. <laughs> oh, I wanted to share too, you know, pasture-raised eggs and butter are good sources yeah. of K2 as well, which those are my two favorites. So eat the yolk, you guys, eat the yolk. Especially ghee butter, right? Yeah, eat the, eat the yolk. People need to to really not, I don't understand this whole egg white phenomenon, but that's a whole other conversation. So <laughs> <laughs> we, could, Co- we could have a separate episode of just talk about eggs. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So CoQ10 is, yeah, absolutely critical. You know, that's one of those nutrients I forget to take regularly. And I just think it's so stupid of me to forget because, and it, for anyone who's on a statin, if you're not, if your doctor does not hand you a bottle of CoQ10, in my opinion, it's malpractice. So there you go. I mean, that those two should just go out the door together. Alrighty, so tell tell me about this study. I didn't read it because I wanted to actually hear your breakdown and not even interrupt you. All right, so this is a recent study that you came out as of July fifteenth. So you know, for, for, well, today's day, today's the twentieth. So literally five days ago, it was published. It looks at the relations of prior statin and antihypertensive drugs in relation to the severity issue dealing with COVID outcome. So with this particular study, the crazy thing is that it was able to look at, and it was basically looking at past data, right? It's not a randomized control study or anything like that. It's basically looking at case after case, and they were able to see a 10,000 patient population who are hospitalized, and they were looking at patient use of statin drugs as well as antihypertensive drugs and saw that they saw a... uh, basically 40% reduction in mortality and 25% reduction in severity of COVID. So that was basically the headline that we saw everywhere, right? Especially, you know, the mainstream media, they were portraying that, you know, statin is is one of the key things that could really reduce uh, the, the mortality as well as the severity of statin. And so, you know, some of the integrative practitioners are basically saying, this is another push for utilizing pharmaceutical drugs rather than really giving us a big solution about what we talked about, like ivermectin last week. But so, are these folks just given the statin drug acutely, or are they on, they've been on it? They've been on it for um, chronically, basically as a prior use. So that they basically had okay. uh, utilized it um, before, and these patients end up having to come in. They were continuing doing so. And they saw that there was a reduction in the overall mortality looking at it and as well as to severity of it. And that, that's a pretty profound. And I think, uh, you know, going back to what we had talked about previously um, on the last episode about utilizing ivermectin and even FLCCC, the overall critical care specialist and joining it, they are utilizing statin drugs within their critical ill patients to mm. stop the severity of the cytokine and inflammatory modulation aspect of statins, right? So that that's the big thing that they saw. Well, statins, from what I understand, again, I don't have the exact numbers, but you have to have some crazy amount of prescriptions prescribed to prevent one heart attack in males who've already had a heart attack and with absolutely no efficacy in females. That was the last time I looked that up, and that was a few years ago. So maybe things have changed. But the underlying mechanism, they believe, right, that 
might be what's working with statins beyond the cholesterol lowering lowering effect is that they're anti-inflammatory. They have an anti-inflammatory impact on the body somehow, right? I don't know that mechanism or how that works. Perhaps you do, but I believe that's sort of what, when I was, I mean, shoot, I think, I guess, I think I was still in school when I came across this, they were leaning towards this idea that maybe the statin use benefit was from this anti-inflammatory impact, which was only helping those who were male who'd already had a heart attack. Yeah, that's what it comes out to. I mean, why is it that patients who actually had a, a MI and got a stent put in, um, right afterwards, they end up having to be put on statin drugs, is to prevent the overall um, modulation that can occur within the o- overall artery by reducing inflammation. That's what it comes out to, right? And so statin drugs are perfect, perfectly looking at how do we reduce inflammation or modulate the inflammation and that overall connects to when you're looking at COVID, it's not COVID, it's not the virus actually killing you, it's the overall inflammatory cascade that actually resulted in the organ failure that we see and the severity outcome, as well as other consequences, especially uh, thrombotic events, which can occur, right? So again, vitamin K2 is very, very important in that, in that aspect of uh, COVID outcome, but that's what we see. Um, but you know, it's not the result of statin that ended up having to do so. It's just a special mechanism. But we could provide that type of anti-inflammatory effect with other drugs as well, instead of actually just looking at statin drugs. So that's still, again, why are we still talking about this aspect of it, rather than talking about the real solution? Right, right. And we we did that whole episode on ivermectin. That actually inhibits viral replication, which is awesome. That's a great mechanism. But this mechanism correct me if I'm wrong, looks like they're just using it as an anti-inflammatory agent. That's what it comes out to. And especially when you talk about a critical ill patient, yes, it does make a difference in terms of throwing everything under the kitchen sink to get the patient normal or at least stabilized and getting it through. But in a long-term consequences like this, um, in a patient's outcome, maybe dealing with uh, long hole syndrome or even within that related line, I don't particularly think that there's going to be a huge impact where the patient's going to actually reduce any long hole syndromes or anything of that nature. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. It is a still a larger study. But the thing is, this particular study, didn't. They, there's basically any studies, right? There's always a limitation looking at this. It didn't really look at the overall um, the duration of the, the statin use that the patient was on, as well as... Uh, the types of antihypertensives and, and what that impact has had gone through, especially ACE inhibitors and ARBs or angiotensin receptor inhibitors. Um, those are also a anti-inflammatory aspect of it, right? Because it works in the angiotensin system, reducing inflammation, also reducing the overall uh, epinephrine and norepinephrine firing. So again, it's reducing that sympathetic system that we we talk about dealing with inflammation. So there's a multiple ways to do so. So just to say that the statin is the biggest impact it's going to make in the COVID outcome, I think it's a little short-sighted, but this was the only study that came out so far that actually had recruited or at least seen well over 10,000 patients. So it is a large uh, study model. And that's what the overall mainstream medicine really want to look at, not a small group study, but they want to look at the larger impact within the public health arena and how much of an impact that we could make in medicine. 
The statin companies are very happy right now, I'm sure. <laughs> they are. I mean, look at, look at Pfizer, right? They're, they're the makers of the, the vaccine and as well as uh, they can be selling additional Lipitor. But <laughs> luckily, the generic market is huge at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're talking about impact right now, and we always talk about the cost effectiveness of the drug and how much of impact, statin drugs are cheap. It's pennies these days. So that's a good impact in utilizing it. And it's a great solution if you think about how much of a uh, delay that we could put into in terms of this, the cytokine aspect that we're trying to stop. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So let's talk about red rice yeast. That's also used to inhibit this cascade. And it still has some of the same side effects, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It, it still has a you know propensity to cause rhabdomyolysis, it can cause the dysbiosis in the gut, it can also deplete all the nutrients that we talked about before. So just because you're taking something naturally does not equate that you're not going to have any side effects. So that's another reason why we need to educate the public about utilizing herbals and nutrients properly so this way you get the maximum benefit without um, having all the side effects. So I don't particularly like radish rice as much because of that. And also the quality differs from you know, company to company. So that's kind of fallen out of favor for me. I like to use other things such as lifestyle change is a big one, but utilizing maybe a bergamot as well as um, berberine. Those are two combinations that I like to really look at uh, as well as a pomegranate. So there's other ways to control your overall cholesterol issue that you actually have rather than just sticking with one, one particular drug. That's what we talk about, statins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this just goes back to what we've been saying all along, all of us that have been talking about this online during this entire pandemic is getting lifestyle modifications in check. And there are those of us who have a propensity towards autoimmune disease, who have a propensity towards different types of inflammation. I personally like the good old fish oil, curcumin, you know, double whammy. I think that's a really potent one. Some of the ones you mentioned, there's different ways to skin this cat, but the bottom line, and I should note, those lifestyle changes are so critical because it doesn't matter how many supplements we throw on the fire if people keep pouring lighter fluid on the fire, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, keep, they keep throwing lighter fluid on their fires with their lifestyle, and we're trying to mitigate it. And it's just swapping up supplement for a pharmaceutical, really, if you don't address the lifestyle changes. Absolutely. And also, you got to have to understand, and this is where the disagreement actually lies within the the cardiologist and then the integrative world, is that if you drop your overall LDL level below 100, especially in men, that really resulted in low testosterone production. And you're going to feel it, right? You're, you're lethargic, you're tired, muscle achiness is one thing, starting to actually increase inflammation, so you're having that issue dealing with gut issue. Um, a lot of things, right? So again, lowering the cholesterol is not the best thing. One thing I'm going to just share, share with you later is that there is a particular study coming from South Korea looking at 12 million people within South Korean population. That's probably the biggest study looking at. They saw that there was no correlation between having too low of a cholesterol and as was well bottom line actually caused more increase in mortality decreasing cholesterol, and they saw that if you keep it between or at least around 200 in terms of total cholesterol, the mortality rate actually went up. 
So if you look at the elderly population, that was something that was always talked about when the integrated world. I, I knew about this particular aspect of it. I mean, gosh, back in 2005, I think. Yep. I don't know if you know Bob Rokowski, but Bob Rokowski was like the first guy I've heard as a pharmacy student listening to him. I thought it was crazy, but now it makes more sense that dropping your cholesterol too low actually can increase. It could actually literally kill you. Yep. It's the kiss of death. I have always told patients to shoot for 200. That's all cause, all cause mortality across the board significantly increases when your cholesterol drops below 2, 220, in my opinion, just from what I've read. So I try to keep people up in the 200s. I personally float around 140, which is way too low. And so I've been working diligently for years. And you know, I'll tell you what really got it up there. I mean, one, I aged a little bit, so that helped. But I mean, I think that's just a natural part of aging. That's the that that and blood pressure. Your cholesterol and your blood pressure go up as you age. As you age, right, your hormones decrease. I mean, for the audience, you know this, John. As your hormones decrease, you need to make more cholesterol. The body cues more cholesterol production to make more hormones. And then the same thing goes for blood pressure. When your vessels get floppy, you know, it's a floppy hose, it takes higher pressure to pump fluid through them. So you end yep. up need your blood pressure goes up. It's a natural response. And what do we do to these poor aging folks? We just batter them with, we slow down their heart, which is with beta blockers, beta which blockers. is horrific. Yep. And then we hit them with statins to lower their cholesterol. And they might as well put one foot in the grave, right? I mean, any dude whose testosterone is dropping in their forties is just looking at a belly, diabetes, bone issues and yep. a heart attack. Like that's just what's coming. Like it's crazy. But I got mine up by, I stopped eating gluten. I stopped eating out at all. I, I cook everything at home and I eat a, as low of an inflammatory diet as I can get my hands on for me. And just really significantly improving my gut health, which you've been talking about this whole time, has had a remarkable impact on my cholesterol. And now it's like, woo, it's in the 170s. <laughs> yeah. But for me, that's like celebration time, you know? So I'm at least out of the woods of like, hey, you're going to die in a car, car wreck because you're not paying attention because your cholesterol is so low. But that's really the result of low cholesterol. People just get dingy. They don't have good cognitive function. No, not at all. I mean, your cognitive function actually affects that and it also affects your overall, I mean, you know, when you talk about guys' health, what's the first thing that we talk about? Penis. Guys, yeah, erection. <laughs> you know, if you're talking about penis itself, that's basically your health meter yes. of how you're doing, right? If you're having erectile dysfunction, you have some type of cardiovascular and vascular issues that you really have to address. And that's really dealing with lifestyle, stress, Right. And everything else that goes on. So if you're having to take statin drugs, it's not fixing the issue. You're actually causing more problem than anything else, right? Your cholesterol yep. level drops, your testosterone level drops. And the next thing you need to take is Viagra, which is also made by Pfizer, the makers of Lipitor. <laughs> <laughs> we're, just making, we're just doing a Pfizer commercial here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, all joking aside, we have to really look at the lifestyle aspect of it and not looking just on drugs. And I hope... If anyone you know listening to this episode, if they don't get anything, it's about lifestyle, it's about healthy eating, it's about reducing your stress, your gut function, and everything else, we cannot be just looking at one thing. And it's, it's not about the cholesterol. It's about you as a patient and, and the whole lifestyle matter. Amen. That's so good. I almost feel like we should close on that. Do you have anything else? I know you mentioned this other study. Is there anything else critical that we have to cover yet, or shall we leave them with that? 
I, I think that's a great point that we should talk about later. Uh, I'm going to forge that study because uh, after, you know, it's actually that particular data fits me very well, being that I'm a South Korean, you know, it fits into the 12 million population. I'm just like, wow, I feel so included in this particular study <laughs> that I really looked into it. So I will forward that to you. We should talk about what the, what the healthy cholesterol aspect that we have to shoot for rather than just dropping our overall cholesterol. And as well as one thing that we didn't talk about is the overall dealing with sugar and how that causes glycation, inflammation, and the formation of atherosclerotic issue. And another thing we should also talk about is the overall density of uh, lipids, right? Yes. It's not the LDL is killing you, it's the overall density. Uh, the, the lower the density of the uh, uh, lipoprotein, it can cause additional atherosclerotic and inflammation. And that's the things that we need to control. And that's through lifestyle, it's through diet, and as well as in dealing with some of the nutrients that we could definitely utilize, such as bergamot or berberine, uh, I just mentioned before. And that's something that we could talk about in the ne next episode. I love it. We'll do it. I think this, that's a great tie-in to the next one. So thank you again, Dr. John Kim, for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. And you always do such an amazing job of blowing my mind with this pharmacology. So we'll have you, <laughs> we'll have you back for our series. And yeah. I, I bid you adieu. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A, and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.